Welcome to the debut episode of the Amateur Gourmet Podcast. If you're a fan of my previous podcast, Lunch Therapy, don't be scared by the yodeling. This podcast is my attempt to widen the scope of everything we talked about over there and bring in all of the Amateur Gourmet stuff that I've been talking about since I launched my food blog, The Amateur Gourmet, in January of 2004. That means this podcast is going to encompass everything that I love about restaurants and cooking. We'll talk to chefs and cookbook authors about the work that they're doing, actors and musicians about what they like to eat, and we'll talk to my friends and family about what everyone's been up to in the kitchen. Each week, there's going to be a specific theme, and everything that you hear will encompass that theme. So, for example, this week, we're kicking off with a theme near and dear to my heart, Food TV. We have the star of the brand new TBS reality show, Rat in the Kitchen, Natasha Legero here to talk all about working with Ludo Lefebvre, how the competition works, and if there's anything that she refuses to eat. But before we get to that, I invited one of my best friends, Jonathan Parks Ramajan, to talk about his own love for food television. So, without further ado, let's get started. Here's my talk with Jonathan. All right. Well, hello, Jonathan. You are here because you are my friend who loves food television as much as I do. That is uh, very true. Although we don't have a lot of overlap in our shows that we watch. We do both watch Top Chef. Um, uh, yes, I adore eating food. I adore watching people make it. Bonus, if the people making it also happen to be hot. Um, <laughs> always love that aspect of food television. If Are, there's an unexpected hunk. So who do you think is the, the hunk chopped kitchen? On this season of Top Chef, do you have a hunk that you're rooting for? TBQH. That means Who to be quite guy? honest, if you guys that are means familiar. To be quite honest, yeah. yes. TBQH, to be quite honest. Um, I did have a crush on the guy who just got sent home from Top Chef. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Um, I know who you're talking about. Robert? For roasting, for roasting potatoes in Alu Gobi. Oh, oh, that was Sam. Sam. I thought he was so cute and couldn't tell if he was gay or not. I don't um, think he's gay. Okay. He's straight. Yeah, but he was he cute. Seemed vaguely gay. But um, he kind of lost me when he grilled potatoes. I mean, come on. Why I know, would you but he that? had to pivot. He didn't have a choice. He left them mm. boiling on the uh, Top Chef kitchen stove before time ran out. He did have a choice, though, to be honest with the chefs and not try to hide from them the truth. That's that true. He was pivoting. I mean, I think that was his downfall. I think if he would have just said, look, I, I screwed up and I forgot to yeah. grill the potatoes and this was my go-to thing. The only thing I don't get is like, and this is a cooking thing. I know, you know, maybe it's a little too detailed because like the idea of grilling a potato is that it's, it would be raw, like it wouldn't get cooked, but you could drop it in your sauce and then finish it in there. And then it would have been cooked. So I don't really know. It almost feels like he was going for some kind of textural thing that maybe they weren't prepared for. It seemed very chaotic. Um, another thing I love about food shows in America is the fact that they play like Oh, Fortuna underneath, like someone making like a radicchio salad. Like, the music is just like so lit as yes. if like everyone will be executed who does not win this challenge. Um, but I love in particular the top chef elimination music. Mm -hmm. Do you know how that? 
Oh yeah, and and the glaring, like they, they do those close-ups of, of Gail Simmons just like glaring, glaring at the camera. Oh my god, we're gonna have to pay for that now. You sang too much of it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, talk about raising the stakes. It's like they they make it seem like it's truly life or death. I know, uh, um, which is uh, um, what I also love. My other favorite baking show it's maybe not quite as dramatic although it always is because it's kids baking championship i know and that i have never watched so i need to Which get into is it. a true crime for those of you who are not familiar um the kids baking championship is an incredibly it's incredibly moving hour of television hosted by duff who I think is a famous baker. Yeah, Duff Goldman. He used to be the ace of cakes and he has a bakery in West Hollywood. Mm, twist, he yes. does. He did. I don't know if he's good. still... Um, I've never had one. Uh, but yeah, he, his show used to be really huge. But I guess now he's doing a kid's baking championship. So not that that's bad. That sounds, that's oh good. That's good. Uh, Adam, <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure he's... Honey, it's in like season something. I'm sure oh, yeah. he's laughing all the way to the bank. You have to be um, careful when you make fun of people now or they will smack you across the face. So. <laughs> we do not need to unpack that. Um, but... Uh, it's also co-hosted by Valerie Bertinelli. Love her. Who was the star of a TV show. Valerie, was- yeah. Um, I used to watch that show, but I forgot what it was called. Reeves Company? No, no, you, no, no, no. It was like a, like a family show. It was like she was the mom. Different right. strokes? No. Oh, my God. Valerie Bertinelli. We're, we're going to, yeah. everyone's figuring it out. People oh, one, wait, she was in her. the, she was in One Day at a Time? No, she was but in hot, hot in her, Cleveland. Though but these are not her claim to fame. She, um, I don't know. She's famous for something and never lets you forget that she was once an actress. Um, but now she is a Food Network host and um, both of them have um, a fairly intolerably saccharine and stupid dynamic on the show <laughs> okay. um but it is overpowered by the like hilarious like heartwarming um like cute 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 presence of all these like children bakers who are literally baking like professional fucking cakes it's like <laughs> truly wild um and they're also just like so lit for baking. Often there are kids who are obviously going to be very gay when they grow up, um, as one would assume <laughs> right. in a baking show. Um, but they're like all like they're all just like so professional and poised until like something goes wrong, and then they will literally burst into hysterical tears on the baking room floor, and then oh. Valerie Bertinelli will comfort them but it's just like a reminder that like adults like want to burst into tears but they never do and then it's like just hilarious to see right like, professional children just suddenly break down into tears but is that also Very a form sweet. of child abuse maybe <laughs> <laughs> it seems a little cruel i mean it's I like mean, you know if we talk about stage moms like pushing their kids into show business this is like stage moms pushing their kids into like hot ovens and like it is know, true burning and caramel. i do often wonder like in the it, it, i feel like um kids baking championship has created a, a 
a, a mini milieu of now children who are purposefully um, becoming professional bakers as children. Yeah, and how are they learning all this? onto the show yeah like they're all very well versed in the techniques of certain styles of cakes and things that are now on the show so it's like the the media has created its own like um need for yeah children bakers who want to be on television so it's like very odd and they're all just like very professionally skilled and a lot of them are like and i have my own micro bakery at home like (laughs) sally's cakes like you know what i mean and they're like 10 years old and like literally churning out like professional cupcakes for like their families and i'm like you guys just need to have childhoods yeah, well, it's funny because I mean, I wanted my biggest dream as a kid was to be discovered. My parents would be like, maybe you'll get discovered. Maybe you'll get discovered. So I was like, <laughs> I want to get discovered. And I can imagine if you're like that kind of kid, which I imagine a lot of these kids are, it's yes. a much easier pathway to that sort of fame to try to get on the Food Network than it is to try to be discovered for like movies and film and television. So I mean, who knows? But I mean, yes, maybe the the competition is less stiff. Although I will say like you have to know your shit yeah. going on to kids baking championship. I mean, especially in these seasons now. I think it's like season 8 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um we Ryan and I just realized that a whole season had um aired without us knowing about it. Oh, so wow. we found the beautiful gift of just an entire season of Kids Baking Championship just waiting for us. Um, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to do that. I think it looks good. It's like a great way to empty your brain and just think about absolutely nothing. (laughs) We started watching it during the pandemic. So that gives you an idea of our motives. Do you ever watch just standard cooking shows like Ina Garten or things where somebody's just cooking Uh, something? I mean, we... I tend to just watch competition. So Top Chef, Chopped, mm. Ryan loves, although it's gotten a bit tired for me. Really? It's Alex been on for... Bernicelli. Wait, what about Alex Bernicelli? Very... I miss her. I love her. Oh, you her. miss her. Oh, yeah, because I love yes, her, too. Yeah, she was I the love best her. judge. Now they have... Oh, my God, I'm going to, like, get in trouble. No, no. Now they have Tiffany Faison, who just feels like poor woman's Alex Bernicelli. <gasps> like, oh my God. They're... Now she's going to smack you for <laughs> sure. And she really will. That's well, not a like joke. Alex Bernicelli is just like kind of like dry and hilarious in the most wonderful way. But then when she when she genuinely likes food, you feel like she's like genuine. She's giving you like genuine like like liking the food realness. Whereas mm-hmm. Tiffany Faison just feels like she's performing an idea of herself that she believes she should be on television interesting it just feels very like false and like hokey and staged well as someone who used to as someone who used to work at the food network they media trained me and the guy that media trained me also trained bill o'reilly for fox news so that that gives you a sense of like you know what they're thinking i mean i just just remember they would tell me like lean into the camera and like you know it's like it's like sort of being obnoxious and like being in your face and being aggressive so i can imagine she was trained in some way I know they need to tr- do less training, more real humanity. So what do you think it is, um, it, it is for you as we wrap up our convo about um, food competition shows? Like why food competition shows more so than like knitting competition shows or <laughs> fast or fashion ones like Project Runway or that kind of stuff? Because I think that food is... Uh, 
delicious and I love seeing it being made and I do think that there's like an incredible I mean I do think it's it it is the appeal is similar to any sort of other show where you watch experts Mm -hmm. who are creative create something in a limited amount of time there is a certain awe that I I feel while watching these people be creative in a time crunch and Mm -hmm. it's thrilling well it's so funny because i'm i'm old enough to remember way back in the 1800s when craig and i used to religiously watch project runway and i remember i remember when they announced top chef the first season and i remember craig said that will never work and i was like why (laughs) and he's like because film is a visual medium and it works for project runway because you can see the the outfits and you can judge it the same way the judges are judging it but but top chef won't work because you can't taste the food and i remember getting to this like huge fight with him like i was like no i mean food like is, is so visual like yes you can and you can go off what the judges are saying and well who got the last laugh you did you're right Although, to be honest, I wonder, though, with, um, you know, the way you talked about missing Alex Gornichelli and sort of chopped losing some of its, like, relevance, like, I'm starting to feel a little bit of a waningness or, like, kind of like a dying ember feel with Top Chef a little. Like, Padma seems very very checked out. Tom Colicchio is hawking NFT pizza on Twitter. (laughs) 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 So, I don't know. I mean, do you think this will be around for decades to come i mean i think it will have a hard time i mean they'll they'll probably start like shaking up the format in the way that drag race has shaken things Mm. up i i i I predict that they'll have to do crazy things to keep it fresh but i don't know it seems like it seems too big to fail it's funny you bring up Drag Race because there was a conversation on Twitter recently about something that you once talked about, but other people were talking about it too, which was a, the idea of a drag cooking competition show. And, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've actually ever thought of that before, but yes, I mean, sure, drag queens, let drag queens do anything, have drag queens do anything and I will watch. Well, I mean, Miss Cracker cooks so she can host it for sure. Mm, I mean, yes, for sure. <laughs> I just don't know if there's enough drag queens that cook, although I'm sure drag queens would start cooking yes. in order to be on this show if it were to. Oh, my God. And then it will come full circle and it will be kids drag baking championship. <laughs> kids in drag. Um, all right. Well, yes. Jonathan, thank you so much for taking 15 minutes to talk to me about food television. Uh, yes, honey. My pleasure. And everyone who's listening, make sure to buy Jonathan's book. Yes, Daddy, available in stores near you. Yeah. Now we're going from talking about food competition shows to the talking to the host of a brand new one called Rat in the Kitchen. My next guest is Natasha Legero, who you might know as a comedian. She's appeared on Chelsea Handler's show Chelsea Lately. She created the Comedy Central period sitcom Another Period, which is hilarious if you've never seen it. And I first saw her during the Comedy Central roast of James Franco, where she was fearless. So it's truly an honor to have her today on the Amateur Gourmet podcast. So give it up for Natasha Legero. All right. Hey, Natasha, how's it going? Hey, great to be here. Yeah, I just drove home and saw a billboard with your face on it for the show Rat in the Kitchen. Oh, my God. And it's a food show. And this is a food (laughs) podcast. It is. Well, so wait, tell us about Rat in the Kitchen. Like, what is it? Why is it called Rat in the Kitchen? (laughs) 
Uh, well, it's a show that I'm hosting with Chef Ludo, which you might you might know who he is. He has yeah. Petit Trois, and he used to have that restaurant Trois Mec. Mm-hmm. So he and I host this show, and it's on TBS, and basically it's a reality show food competition where each episode is like seven different chefs and they are ranging from, you know, people who own restaurants, professional chefs to like really good home cooks. And so the seven of them come together to make dishes to impress Ludo. But Mm -hmm. one of them has been chosen to be the rat, the saboteur, the saboteur. So and and Ludo and I don't know who it is either. So that's, you know, the, the producers are choosing the rat. And so basically the rat, tries so there's a money bank and if the dish is successful that means the team work together and then the team is going to get to split the money but if the rat successfully sabotages the dishes then the rat gets all the money how does the rat sabotage the dishes like are they poisoning people i mean like what's happening (laughs) i mean people will put like they have to basically be very sneaky so there is like a whodunit aspect to it so luna Uh, and i are kind of like slinking around the kitchen trying to figure out you know uh, you know they you can sometimes tell with the personality um Uh but you know people will i i definitely ate raw shrimp you know like they will tell people that something's cooked because ever, everyone's working so fast too. So I think. Oh, so someone's on the, they're all on one team, yes. but the person, I, I see, I, I got it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the general so you- chaos of the kitchen, you know, makes, makes it, uh, you, I don't know if it makes it easy to sabotage, but there's definitely like ingredients going in that don't belong there and burners being turned on and off and, you know, people dropping things. And I guess I'm not supposed to say specifics because I'm not supposed to give it away. But <laughs> uh, well, so now how did you get involved with this show? I mean, what was the origin story of all this? Well, they asked me to host it and I wasn't familiar with Ludo. But then I realized he I, I had been a fan of his, not just from Petit Trois, but he had this amazing. Do you ever go to that French Mexican restaurant that was by the 90s? Oh, yeah. Store? Do you remember what it was yeah. called? I remember what it was called. So it was called Trois Familia. Oh my God, it was so delicious. I loved that place. And it was so weird because it was kind of empty sometimes. And you would just kind of go in there and it'd eat this delicious food. And you'd be like, why does nobody know about this? Although maybe it was really popular at the beginning. I don't well, know. It's not that it wasn't popular. It was that Ludo told me there was no parking in the area. And oh God, like yeah. Constant- I mean, I spent like an hour trying yeah. to park there. Yeah. And it was like constant fighting with the cleaners next door. And, you know, there was just no place for people to park. And unfortunately, that area and basically LA in general is, you know, you need to be able to park. So, but yeah, yeah. some of the most interesting combinations, like have you ever had French Mexican food? <laughs> no, no, I loved it. I really thought that place was amazing. And, and um, super so- creative. Yes. So, okay, Natasha, tell me your, like, story in terms of, like, food and cooking and eating and, like, growing up. And, like, like, have you always been interested in food or is this, like, a new thing with this show? Like, where do you stand on food? Oh, yes. Well, I I have to say that when when they first offered me the job, I was like, hmm, I'm not a good cook. Like, I'm known for cooking. But then I was like, well, I am pretty snobby and I... (laughs) A degree in theater criticism and sort of being able to apply that to, you know, food or whatever. Uh, I I really was enjoying doing that. And I do have a pretty like sophisticated palette, I suppose, just from living in New York and always wanting. I mean, I just always want to try new things. So, you know, I kind of eat everything. 
So it felt like it would be fun to do that with Ludo. Oh, but my my background with food, I guess, you know, as a child in Rockford, Illinois, um, it was a lot of dehydrated microwaved packages that I would make for my brothers. Um, <laughs> Lipton rice and soup. Like they used to have those Lipton rice dishes. I was really good at yeah. those. Um, a lot of measuring and microwaving, putting the right amount of water in, microwave mashed potatoes. So that was kind of like my whole childhood. And then, you know, I grew up, moved to New York, and then just started eating everything. Finally tried sushi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I remember that period. I think we're probably like around the same age. And I remember like when sushi, like like trying sushi, because I, yeah, I didn't try it until I was in my 20s. And it was like, a, it was a big deal going out for sushi. Now it's such a big part of our lives. But yeah. yeah it wasn't, it did get big maybe in like, what would you say, like the late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. 90s. I mean, I was in college when I first tried it, which was in, you know, in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so wait, when you said you were cooking for your brothers, did you, how many brothers did you have? I have, I have two little brothers and my mom was just always working and she was a single mom. So, you know, I was kind of in charge of cooking dinner. Uh huh. Um, so that was kind of, you know, and, and I don't even think in my hometown, I don't think there was an Indian restaurant. I don't think there was a Thai restaurant. Even now, my dad's Italian. And if I like, he only eats spaghetti. And if I take him to like, we took him to an Indian restaurant. He was like eating like one piece of white rice. <laughs> like one piece at a time. Like, That's like my dad. My dad's Jewish. And it's like anything like his like standard quote is like it's a very it's a weird menu like that's what he'll say but anywhere that doesn't have like steak right. and potatoes and like cream spinach and cheesecake like he'll think it's a weird menu like we and it's his only criteria for like liking a restaurant that's out of his wheelhouse is if a celebrity is eating there <laughs> and i'll and i'll never forget like we went to abc kitchen in new york um and he was hating it he was like this is the weirdest menu and i was like dad like there's a burger on the menu there's like chicken on the menu and then Chris Rock walked in and sat down and then he loved it. And it was like, he's like, this is a great restaurant. And I was like, you literally only like this because Chris Rock is here. So I don't know if um, your family, does your family share your, your interest in like going out to dinner and stuff? No, no. My, I mean, my brother does because he lives here. But yeah, my, my mom just kind of cooks healthy at home in Illinois. And my dad is like, he's so funny too, because we took him to Michelangelo's, which is like the mm -hmm. Italian, local Italian place. And he, uh, he was, he, he sent his pasta back uh -oh. and he's like, and you know, these places, like they've, they've got Italians working in the kitchen, they're family owned businesses. And he's like, there's too much sauce. I want to taste the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the waiter loved that. <laughs> and then he's, yeah, he's, he's kind of like always acting like a mobster at restaurants. Uh, like yeah. Italian restaurants. Like it's just all Italian food all the time. He's yes. never been to Italy. He's, he's like, what do I want to go to the old country for? He thinks that, you know, Rockford, Illinois is, is got like, you know, enough Italians that he doesn't yeah. go anywhere else. There's such a funny like crossover because I know your husband's Jewish. But like, there's such a funny like crossover to me between like Italian culture and Jewish culture because my parents in a restaurant also like enjoy like the mob vibes that sometimes gets given. Like, like they go to the steakhouse in Florida where they live, and there's this guy. I won't say his name in case he's listening. I doubt he is because he's the maitre d' of a steakhouse in Boca Raton, Florida. But but I remember my parents like we have to get him a Christmas gift. We have to get him. They got him like a tie so they would get a good table like going forward and I was like oh my god like oh, what is this I love yeah. that <laughs> but it was like but it was like 
it wasn't like sweet. It was more like fear based. It was like we got we have to get him a gift, like you know, otherwise we won't get seated. You know, I don't know. There's something about that. But so your so your dad is Italian, but not like because there is like the red sauce Italian in America, like like spaghetti and meatballs kind of food, and then there is like the like Italian like the kind of stuff that Mario Batali used to make before oh, he got no, canceled. No, no. He's like red yeah. sauce. Red sauce, right. But like, but when you talked about like going back to Italy and he said he doesn't need to do that, like, are you interested in that kind of food? Oh, of course. I mean, I love, I love exploring countries and, you know, seeing what their dishes are. Like we just went to Puerto Rico and I'd never had Mexican food. And like, they have this amazing dish called mafungo. Do you know? Oh yeah. 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 Like, um, it was like, um, uh, plantain kind of, and they'll like put like, crab in it or just put you know there was just all these different creative ways to eat it and it was just so unique and I had never had anything like that before so like that to me is like the best when you can like go explore and find a new food that you and we actually liked it and went back and got more mafungo in a different way uh-huh. but yeah it was it was oh I think it's like they have like vegetarian versions with avocado and the platano and it's like healthy too so when you're like because I mean I know that you're a comedian and like, I imagine you're on the road a lot or like traveling or putting on shows. So like, what is, what is your food life like then? Cause I would, I, my like, and when I think of it, like, I would think you're just like grabbing something and like shoving it in your face before doing a show, but maybe not. Okay. Well, here's my situation. Like if I have to grab something, like if I'm at the airport or like in a really bad like city or something, if I go to a restaurant, people are going to laugh, but like I'll order like two or three things. Okay. Oh, just to have your options. I'm really hungry. I'm and like my husband always makes fun of me. He's like, "You can just eat bad food," and I'm like, "I don't want to. Like, I don't <laughs> want to eat something. I'd rather not eat than eat something disgust that I find disgusting." So sometimes, like at the airport, I'll buy like two things and then see what I can. Eat. Oh. I also like to go to like I'll always Google what's the oldest restaurant in the city because I'm like obsessed with ambiance. In fact, I think I might like ambiance more than food it's it's just so important to me and like my husband is like that that's that's so his thing if he if the atmosphere isn't good and the food's amazing he won't have a good time I know and I don't know what that is and and like I'm sure your husband's been to the Pacific Dining Car do you remember that place no he's never been there I've been there though with an old job that I have yeah that, that that was really cool and it was like it was just like my favorite restaurant in LA and it closed down at the early beginning of the pandemic, but it was, I think one of the oldest restaurants and they just had a massive menu. It's like white tablecloths. You can go there at 4am and get like the most amazing salmon and cream spinach. It's, it's like you're eating like, it's like a fancy restaurant in the 1930s, but 24 hours. I mean, it was like, so, and my husband would always get so mad because it is very expensive. Yeah. I remember that part of it. (laughs) No one was ever in there. And like, or, you know, you'd see like a, I don't know, like a councilman having an affair, you know, <laughs> like rappers, like, you know, yeah. about an album. Like it was always like interesting, you know, people watching too. I didn't realize it was open 24 hours. That I didn't know. Well, now oh. it's closed. Right. Yeah. Because Musso and Frank's is sort of like an old school LA like steakhouse. Yeah. Chicken pot pie. Yeah, but you don't you don't like it as much as you like the Pacific Dining Car. Well, my problem with LA, t- can you verify this? Because I always get in a fight with my husband about this. Things close at like nine o'clock. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing of coming here from New York because I came here from New York too. It's like I remember like going to see a Broadway show 
and then like going to dinner afterwards at like 1030 and like being in a packed restaurant. I mean, that, that, that actually happened very recently. Like we went to like before the pandemic, which I guess wasn't very recently, but like two years ago, like we went to see like, you know, slave play or something. And then we went to um, like this hot restaurant called Resdora in the Flatiron District. And it was like 11 o'clock at night and it was packed. Like you couldn't even get in there. So yeah, LA is shut down by nine o'clock. this out. Even if you go downtown to see a play, you know, we have like the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Like if you go see a play there, the restaurant that is there for the theater goers is closed. <laughs> yeah. By the, they, they only, they only, you can only go at like 530 or six, like before the theater opens. Cause there's well, like, yeah. And even LA is like better than some places. Cause Craig, my partner is shooting a movie right now in Concord, Massachusetts. And he got off of work at like seven and we went to go out to dinner and the, the, the concierge of the hotel or like the front desk like, were laughing like, <laughs> like, restaurants open after seven like what, what do you think this is this isn't new york city and i was like oh okay so we had to eat at the hotel at like a hilton garden inn where i'm like where can i eat and they're like there's tji fridays and there's yeah. applebee's and right so when those are the choices i usually get like microwave macaroni and cheese from the lobby you know those like hotels that don't have room service but they do have mm-hmm. some like dehydrated foods that you can cook up in your room yeah that's your thing that's like your wheelhouse that should be your next reality cooking show is dehydrated foods you grew up doing it you do it now (laughs) actually yeah dehydrated foods but like maybe you could make them fancy or something yeah okay this is the show we'll develop together (laughs) but i'm curious like but in terms of like the ritual of going up on stage and performing like do you do it like having just eaten do you do it on an empty stomach like where are you in your food journey That's so interesting. Well, you know, like a lot of people, I started intermittent fasting. So Mm -hmm. like not eating until noon, one, and then I'll have lunch. And then I am not, I guess I'm not one of those people who's like, my mood is extremely affected by my food. So usually Mm -hmm. I'll like, I think I can go up on an empty stomach. Because a lot of times there's two shows. So then in the middle, in, in the break, you can like order something you know got it and, and tyson chicken nuggets from the comedy club <laughs> that sounds good maybe i don't know okay macaroni and cheese bites frozen or like they deep fry them sometimes yeah sometimes your green room is like in the kitchen too like you kind of like the kitchen has to like go through so it's like <laughs> you grab something off a tray yeah. like there's always food around well I, I think i'm asking this because like having seen some of your work and like Specifically, like having seen you on like the um, Fires Club roasts, like or the roast that you did, oh, like Comedy Central roast. Comedy Central roast. Sorry, Com- I guess I confused it. But um, like I would be nauseous if I had to do. Like I would literally be like, I'm gonna puke. Like having to sit up there and do that. And so I guess like that was on my mind when I thought of you. Like, like oh. do you get like stomach cramps? Like do you get like physically? Like does do you feel affected when you perform, or do you feel just completely as casual as like we're having a conversation right now, or like? talking to someone on the street you know I think I'm kind of like an adrenaline junkie and I don't know if you've ever had to perform before much oh yeah I was Oliver in fifth grade I don't know if you knew that I love it yeah Yeah. more please I love it (laughs) but you know I I have always found like if I'm about to go on stage and I have to pee sometimes I'll be like okay I won't pee because it's like I can just kind of do it and it, it it's like it it sometimes it's like a I don't know why I've told myself it's a better show but like, hmm. same with being hungry, same with, you know, your adrenaline just starts like 
kicking. I, I don't think this is healthy, but you know, I, I think <laughs> food and eating. No, if I'm about to like do a long day of like acting work or something, I think I really have to eat to like pace myself for like the mm -hmm. long six hour breaks where you're just like doing the same thing or, or you know, sitting in your trailer or doing the same thing over and over. But, um, but yeah, I kind of like performing on nothing. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. But a full bladder. <laughs> so no food and a full bladder. Maybe that's the secret to comedy. Maybe that's like more people do that than you realize. I mean, it makes sense to me though. Also, because like if you have a full bladder and you're hungry a little bit, like it actually gives you the energy to get through the show, right? Like you're like, okay, I got to get through this. I mean, it kind of hypes you up to like, let's do this. Like, let's. Oh, no, <laughs> it makes you more in the moment, maybe because oh, maybe okay. Stand up, you don't want to be like phoning it in. So anything that right. makes you comfortable or feel, you know, sedated in any way, like I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to eat a huge meal or something. Yeah, I remember I used to work at the Food Network and I had a web show for them, and I was not doing well there. And I was <laughs> I had to have like a meeting where they were talking about like how nobody was watching my web show and it was really bad. And I think I like. I hadn't eaten yet and my stomach started like letting out these like loud gurgles. But, but I think it was also because I was so anxious and nervous, but it was so embarrassing. It was like one of those things where it's like, you know, you just like everybody heard it. And so I think that's like, it is interesting the, the connection between like our psychology and like our stomachs and like how we're performing and all that stuff. But on a, this isn't a psychology podcast anymore, so we're going to pivot now okay. um, because the, one of the strange things about our relationship is that I've met you one time, right? I was only one time at my house because Chelsea Peretti, who I met before that, brought you over for dinner. So you've like been to my house. We've eaten dinner. It was I had a great time with you. Oh, thank you. Oh, I have to tell you. I, what? I don't cook, but like one of my favorite recipes of all time is your recipe. And what? it's one of the only things I make for my family. And I order the sun-dried tomatoes like online because I can't find them at the grocery store half the time. I know what you're going to say. Sun -dried uh, the sun-dried tomato <laughs> and cannelli bean. Cavatappi. Uh, cannelli. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sun-dried tomato and cannellini pasta with cavatappi. I'm going to make that tomorrow, I think. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's called cavatappi? Yeah. It's like the corkscrew-shaped pasta. That's so funny because... My daughter, I started telling her it was called caviatapa, and she thought it was so funny that that's the word. Like when she wants me to stop tickling her, she has to say caviatapa. But that's not even. <laughs> that's really funny. That's my role in the gay community. I'm a caviatapa. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, is um. Oh, I, I, I was going to bring up the fact because this was really interesting to me because when you came over for dinner, and I don't think I'm betraying any confidences because I feel like you're an open book. Um, you talked about the fact that your husband is kosher, yes. keeps kosher, and that you, when you, like, what was the deal? Kosher. You attempt to keep kosher. No, no, I said I pretend. But no, I, I, just, I just don't eat pork. Right. Okay. That's, that's pretty easy. That's my only thing. But No bacon? No bacon. No. Hmm. And, and our child, he asked that the child doesn't eat it either. But then I was like, okay, well, then we still get to do shrimp and crab. And he said, okay. Yeah. So I did a little negotiating there. But did he teach you about the Jewish Chinese food rule that you could have wontons at a Chinese restaurant without, which have pork in them? What? There's even a Seinfeld about this. This is like a classic like Jewish thing. Like, because you know, Jewish people love Chinese restaurants. Yeah. And it's like sort of like the concept is like when you go to the Chinese restaurant, like you kind of just don't, you don't, because my, my dad was the same way. Like he wouldn't eat pork and all that stuff. 
but we'd all go out for Chinese food. And I remember when I was a kid, at some point I realized there was pork in the wontons. And I was like, Dad, you're eating pork. And he's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just it's Chinese food. No, he does not <laughs> adhere to that. Okay. I got him chicken sausage the other day and I was putting it in something and he made me take the casing off because it's pork casing, uh, even if really? it's chicken sausage. That's oh my God. Right? So now, okay, did he grow up? I should probably ask him these questions at some point, but since you're on, like, did he grow up in a very strict or, or orthodox, like kosher home? His father was. So his mother was like a, you know, California hippie, you know, person and then the dad was like in seagate you know in new york which is like a i think it's like a gated hasidic community mm. so he spent his summers there and that's and his brother's a rabbi and i think that's kind of like where they got their you know attraction i guess to to it um mm -hmm. but you know it's it's I'm feeling this feeling that I want to stop eating meat. My birthday's tomorrow. And I'm like, I remember. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I remember I stopped eating meat when I was in middle school for a year. And it was pretty easy. And mm -hmm. I have a child. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. just kind of like wanting to model, like, not that it's like you're a better person, but isn't, wouldn't that be great if kids started becoming vegetarians? I don't know. I just. But isn't that harder as a parent? Like, doesn't that limit your options that then you can, like, give your kid, like, if you're at the airport or something, you're just like, here, eat this. Like, I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to change my my mind. But I will say pasta and beans, that's like the future. It's so. Oh, yeah, that is the future. Beans are the future. Well, it's funny because, like, I read The Omnivore's Dilemma and then I watched, like, Food Inc. And for, like, three days, I was a hardcore, like, vegetarian vegan. And I remember going out to dinner with my friends, Mark and Diana, who are, like, big food people. And they were, we were like at Eleni Oyster Bar and they were like eating like mussels with like, with like chorizo. And then I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't eat that. Like, you know, I'm a, I was a pescatarian. I'm like, I'm a pescatarian. I can't eat the chorizo. And they were like, Adam, this is going to last like 30 seconds. And then like by the end of the meal, I was like eating meat again. I know. It's so hard. I, I feel like I had more uh, ability to be disciplined when I was much younger. I, I, it's like so easy to just fall off of that. Although I will say like, I, I mean, especially living in L.A., like the trend is certainly towards like meatlessness. Like I'm going tonight to Kismet for dinner. And it's like I looked at the menu. It's like it's mostly like veg vegetables and greens and, you know, and, and even like now, like I'm trying to get back into shape. And so like I've been like looking up healthy recipes on like Bon Appetit and stuff. And all those recipes, like almost all of them are like sweet potatoes with kale and like, you know, everything feels very vegetable forward right now. So maybe it isn't that big a leap to stop eating meat. Yeah, I, I even go to that burger place. Um, what is oh, it? Yeah. The, the, there's Monty's? No, there's like a burger place by Rite Aid that's like, oh, fat burger. <laughs> but, oh, is, do they have a vegetarian burger? Oh, good. It's, oh, I've never had that. Okay. Exact, well, they have, they actually have an impossible burger and a garden burger. And I don't remember which one was better. Got it. But yeah, I, I'm just, I, I'm going to try on my birthday to do it for a year. So we'll see if it works. But. My thing is like in my life, the subject that keeps coming up is integration mm. because like I go to extremes. It's like, OK, I am going to the gym five days a week and I'm like drinking smoothies for lunch and I'm like eating very healthy. And then it's like I fall off the wagon. and It's like I'm making pastries for breakfast and I'm like, you know, laying on the couch and playing video games all day. And so with meat, I think what I've been trying to do is not to go to a full extreme of saying like I'm not eating meat, but just to be more mindful about it and maybe have it like less often is what I'm personally doing. That sounds very mature, mature and realistic. 
Yeah, well, that like I think one of my main things is like cultural experiences. Like if we travel somewhere, like you just went to Puerto Rico and you had the mofongo. Like I don't know if there was meat in. You said there was crab, but like um, I don't know. Like if I go somewhere and I said like I'm not eating meat, I really do feel like you miss out on on the experience of going to that place. Or you judge a food show and you have to taste the food. <laughs> So what were like the weirdest things that you had? I guess you don't want to give it away, but like, was there anything on the show where you were like, I won't, when you signed the contract where you're like, I will not eat X, Y, Z, just so you know? No, I was down to do it all because I, you know, it's part of the experience. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't like, personally, I don't like lamb or duck. I find, I don't really like those kind of gamey meats. Oh, that's interesting. I, I like those, but I like them because they're a little funky. Oh, Really? Yeah, I like, I love lamb. Lamb is like barnyardy. Like it just has that kind of like, it's like wine, like where it has like that little funkiness to it, where it's like a little, gives you a little pizzazz, no? <laughs> no, I mean, I I like that you have that feeling when you, <laughs> I was in Africa once and we were eating steak and then you could look out and it was like, it kind of tasted like grass. And then you look outside and they're like, eat, it's like they're eating grass. Like you can kind of like taste. What they're eating. Yeah. Terroir, as they say. So when you were on this show, Rat in the Kitchen, when did it shoot, by the way? I mean, is, is that a secret? or is No, that... we, we were in Atlanta um, during the pandemic for like, I went there for five weeks to shoot wow. the series. And... Well, I was going to ask you because like... Um... Oh, I interrupted. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, it, we had to be quarantined for two weeks before we shot. So we were just like sitting in these apartments in Atlanta. Yeah. To shoot the show. So it, it just oh my God. took a little longer. Um, I was going to ask that. I mean, like talking about food on TV, I think is one of the most awkward things in the world. Like when we watch like Top Chef or something and those judges are like, mm, the mouth feel is blah, blah, blah. Or like this eats good. That's like their new thing is like this. I like the way this eats. Ew, it's like, I hate I that. <laughs> yeah, well, Padma says that all the time. That's why our show. Wait, what'd you say? Pa- that's like Padma's new thing. Like she's like, mm, this corn eats really well, and it's like, shut up. <laughs> no, that's why this show is so cool because Chef Ludo is like obsessed with food. Yeah, I'm just being funny about it. So it's like we oh okay not taking it so seriously. And what was funny being with Ludo in Atlanta, he he wouldn't. He's not a foodie. So I would be like let's go to this restaurant. Let's go to this restaurant. And he just wanted to go to the same Thai restaurant that was across the street from our apartments. Really? And I'm like, how can he not be a foodie? And then he was like, I don't, I don't want to be inspired by any other food. Like he doesn't want (laughs) any recipes to get into his head or something like that. And then I was like, that's crazy. Where do you get your inspiration from? And he says, old cookbooks and check this out. Dreams. Wow. So, because he had he had a dish at Tomek, which was uh, eel with like mac white chocolate macadamia nut mashed potatoes or white chocolate mashed potatoes, and I was like, "How did you think that those two things would match together?" Yeah, he was like, "I, I dreamt it." <laughs> I like his um Instagram like stories with his kids. They're really cute. They like they're really precocious. But his one of his like videos like changed the way I roast chicken because. I used to make the like a roast chicken like Thomas Keller um, from the French Laundry in his cookbook. Like, how do you put like six tablespoons of butter on the breast of the chicken as it goes into the oven and it kind of melts over the chicken and into the vegetables, which is very good and like makes the vegetables taste good. But on Ludo's feed, I once saw how he does the chicken and he had the chicken literally, very French, 
slathered in butter. Like, like it was, it was like coated in butter before it went in the oven. And when he took it out, it was golden, like bronze, beautiful, like cover of a magazine. I was like, oh, that's how you do that. I mean, the guy is so into butter and I'm like, yeah. how can you keep eating like that? And he's like, just take Lipitor. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he cooks like such decadent food. So I guess so he, his restaurant, so Trois Mecs clothes, Trois Familia clothes, but he still has Petit Trois, which is so delicious. And he has one in the Valley. It's in um, Sherman Oaks. And then he has one yeah. in Hollywood. Um, but and yeah. they have a burger. That burger is like insane. Talk about fat. I mean, Craig... My partner was like, he wanted to get the burger, but he's like, you have to share it with me. He's like, I can't eat all that. And I was like, I don't want to eat that. Like, it's like literally like covered in Bordelais sauce, which has like a stick of butter in it. And then it has like, what else does it have on it? Like mayonnaise. Fork and knife? Yeah, it's like a fork. Have you ever seen that burger at Trois Mets? I saw a picture of it and I was like, what? It's like sitting in a sea of cheese, mayonnaise, and like buttery, like red wine sauce. So it's like truly a heart attack on a plate. I mean, but we did get it and it was really good. I have to say, before I had my baby, my friend came over and she's like, you have, you're a wife, you have to know how to cook something. She <laughs> taught me how to roast a chicken and I know how to do it. I mean, it is incredibly easy. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't put the butter in it because Moshe won't eat butter with oh. chicken. So, right. But, you know, just a, a grilled chicken, it is kind of like an amazing thing to know how to do. You could do olive oil. That's what I do. I, I do just okay. olive oil, salt, pepper, put carrots potatoes, sweet potatoes, just all around it, onions, garlic from Trader Joe's, just empty out the packet, mix mm-hmm. it all up, and then Great. put, what What do you say, rosemary, lemon inside the turkey? Anything else? Chicken, yeah, yeah. Um, inside the chicken. Yeah, I do thyme, garlic, lemon inside the chicken. Okay, thyme, uh, I'll get some thyme. Um, but I'm curious, so we, I asked you about your um, comedy food life, but not, but you kind of just alluded to like your domestic food life. Like, so what is what is happening? It looks like you're levitating. Oh, sorry, I'm on like a beanbag, and it's so I was like, oh, okay, sound like, room, and it's really quiet in here, but it's like extremely hot, so I'm like, oh no, but I'm okay. Um, you're okay for now. So like, do you guys cook together? Do you guys order in most of the nights? Like, do you, does your kid like certain things? Like, how does this all work? Well, she, I'm so proud of her, has a very open, developed palate. She, we take her to Santa Barbara on the shore, on the, you know, they have like the fish market and she'll eat the uni. And now she loves the uni and she always wants to go mm. to the uni. And, you know, nice. I've given her like, at a bagel place, they had some caviar, like anything she can pop in her mouth that's salty. But I, I packed her lunch the other day and I'm like, why don't you eat your crackers? She's like, I lick the salt off. <laughs> She's like a cow. <laughs> He's like really into the salt. Um, so, I mean, we cook, every, well, I don't cook. Moshe cooks and he cooks very um, healthy California, but with like, you know, big flavor sauce that he invents every night. Mm. So like he'll come up with a different like healthy tahini sauce or like some kind of Asian sauce. So whenever I'm at like a specialty store and I see some kind of, you know, something that he could put in, you know, some kind of spice or some kind of um, sauce, I'll get it for him because he makes these amazing salads and Mm. stir fries. I was curious, like, because I'm in a relationship with somebody who's creative and who creates work and then like, will sometimes be like, will you give me feedback? And then like when I cook for him and, he, and I'll be like, what do you think? 
but I imagine like you both are comedians. Um, and if he's cooking for you, I, I guess I'm curious about like, how do you both like negotiate giving feedback to one another, whether it's about your comedy, whether it's about his cooking or your cooking, like, do you tell the truth or do you kind of pat it? Well, that's interesting. Cause ever since I've become a professional food critic on TV, I'm, <laughs> I'm very like, I'm more critical. Like, I just want him to know of something salty or, you know, maybe next time. And he doesn't seem to be that into the feedback. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Cooking. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, I have to say, I, I really encourage him to cook because as a mom, as a woman, I do feel like I'm in charge of everything. I'm doing the cleaning and I'm doing the scheduling and I'm telling, I'm dealing with, you know, what time we pick her, pick the kid up from school and, you know, just all these, the dogs and we're out of dog food and I'm just kind of on top of it all. Yeah. I was like, wait, he's really good at cooking. Let's make that his job. And mm-hmm. so I'm trying to sort of manipulate, manipulate him into thinking he's even better than he is as a cook. So he's really proud to be cooking. <laughs> and But it is, it, he is, he is, he's got it. You know, some- cooking, cooking is fun. Cleaning up is the not fun part, but like cooking is not that like cooking is not arduous. Fun. It's not fun for you. No, I burn myself all the times I use an oven. I I've been trying to make kale chips for like four years. I, everything's <laughs> I, the, funny. The only thing I can do is like a, a roast chicken and the chickens always, I, I don't know how I do it, but everything else seems like a pretty big failure. You're so do you think it's, fish. oh yeah, the pasta, but do you think this like, that cooking is arduous for you because you're just not interested in it? Like, do you think it would be less arduous if it was really fun for you? Well, the way that Moshe cooks, and I've seen Chelsea cook too, Chelsea Peretti, like, they're like kind of creative, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. Chelsea came over and she was like, oh, here's an artichoke, let me make a sauce. Okay, let's put like a little bit of mayonnaise and do you have any Frank's Red Hot? And then like, oh, and let's put some bay leaves in when we roast, when we boil the artichoke and it's just like she's I feel like she always has some secret ingredient you know like Mm -hmm. oh and then put lemon zest on the toast and it'll you know it's like whatever those little secret things are that are what make things taste gourmet I I I love when and I love when people teach it to me and I can do it easily like Mm -hmm. something has three ingredients and I can do it you know like then I'm into it but yeah like all of the measuring and you know well, you kind of mentioned gender earlier. Do you think there's any part of you um, that like resists cooking? No, no. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure I do resist it because, you know, it's it's typical and what what women should do. Mm-hmm. It takes up a lot of time. Yeah. It's funny because like as you were talking about your marriage and like the roles, like the gender roles, it is interesting, like in a gay relationship how those roles still emerge anyway. <laughs> like, I'm certainly the one that's like cleaning and like, just like you said, like dealing with the dog, dealing with the, like if like we needed the Stanley steamer to come or like the cl- drain is clogged, like I'm dealing with all of that and Craig is going off to the office to go direct his movie, you know? So it is just funny how like, even without gender, like it sort of feels like relationships sort of wind up that way anyway. Yeah, it's like one person does more. Yeah. What about? <laughs> Well, it's like there's the gardener and the rose theory, right? Like that, that. It's like in every relationship, one person's the gardener and one person's the rose. But you guys seem like you're both roses. Hey, I'm going to be a rose. Yeah, you you are a rose. I think you are a rose. Maybe like you both garden each other and are roses. I don't know. I think I'm a little bit of a rose too. So maybe this theory isn't that great. 
Well, I think it's more of like a goal than a theory, right? So if you feel mm. like you're being too much the gardener, it's ah. time to sit back a little bit and blossom and let them feed you. That's true. I mean, the thing is, like, I won't let Craig into the kitchen. I will not let him touch the stove. I mean, even if he comes in there when I'm cooking and he, like, tries to move, I'm like, hey, get out of here. Like, so there is a little bit of a control thing on for me, like, where I like, I like the kitchen as my domain. Uh, and he's that way about, like, watching movies and TV and stuff. He'll be like, because you know, I'll be like, let's watch The Housewives. He's like, no, we're not watching Housewives tonight. Let's watch, like, a Criterion movie. And I'm like, oh, God. Does he win then? Yeah, I let him win because... I, it's like those, one of the only areas, cause like I get to choose the restaurants. I usually get to choose like where we go on vacation and where we stay. So like, like what we watch is like his thing. Like that's, that's what matters. Although when he's not here, it's funny. Cause it's like, what do I want to watch? Like I've been like sort of like on my own spiritual journey trying to figure out what do I watch when Craig's not here? And it turns out I watched the real housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it though. Like, it's always kind of a bummer when you walk into like the shared space and there's a reality show on. I, you know, yeah. I almost feel like that's something you have to both try to get into together or something. Do you watch any of that stuff, or do you mostly watch like nourishing, good for you no, TV I mean, shows? If it were up to me, I would. Like, I, I have this like fantasy that I'm always watching Criterion movies, but yeah. you know, and any reality show where I start, like we were really into Love Island a while ago when it mm -hmm. came out, but then I was like, we had been watching it for like two weeks. And then I looked and I was like, there's like 65 episodes this <laughs> Like, I can't, I can't. That was like me and Survivor, like last season. I was like, I'm going to watch Survivor. Like, I'm going to watch it. And then it was like, they kept dragging it out and like making, and it was like, here's like a special two-part episode or something. I was like, wow, you guys are like really stringing me along here. I'm not going for this ever again. Yeah, like why so much? It's such a like, it's like vampiric. It's like, yeah. there's nothing left of you. <laughs> Even RuPaul's Drag Race, which is probably one of, it was one of the reality shows that we both love to watch. Like this season, they are, I mean, talk about dragging it out. Like they are dragging it. Like they keep like pushing it off like eliminations and stuff. So yeah, you can spend like half your life watching reality shows if you're not careful. Well, Moshe and I are good because we try to get into one together and we both can kind of like figure out, like we started watching Love is Blind and then mm -hmm. I think by like the fourth one, we were both like, you know what? This is too stupid. We can't. Yeah. Because the whole conceit, have you seen that one? Like people don't see each other, but then they're like, have to get married in three days. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. That feels like the Hunger Hunger Games or something. Like it's so insane. Everyone's crying. And, and it's just like, <laughs> you can see that they're just wasted, you know? And it's just like, it almost starts to feel a little uh, abusive or something. Like everyone's just like being like put into these like pods and you know, there's cameras on them and they're drunk and they're trying to like find their, their m partner for life. So, you know, hopefully we can, we can decide together. And then we have another project because we actually don't really get along in terms of what we want to watch. He wants to watch action movies. He's like rewatching Marvel movies in a certain mm -hmm. order. He's watching all of the Star Trek Voyagers again. Like I just can't <laughs> deal. Yeah. So we, we have this new thing where we're watching all, we watched all the best pictures um, from mm -hmm. Oscars, from like the beginning of the Oscars. So it was very, oh, wow. some of these all the way till, you know, the end. And now we're watching, we heard that the best movies are actually the, the winners for best screenplays. So now we're watching, cause you know, the best, a lot of times it's like the best screenplay is the better movie, but the mm -hmm. one who wins, wins the Oscar kind of, you know, is, is like the more, had the more hype or whatever. So now yeah. we're watching the best 
picture winners and those are some great movies so so what was it what's the movie that like took you the most by surprise in all this watching movies like was there one that you had no idea what to expect and you were like oh my god I love that I'm trying to think well I mean there was definitely somewhere I was like how the hell did this ever how did anyone watch these <laughs> you know like like, like which ones? Well, like there's a movie called Wings and it's like oh, you know, yeah. 1930s and it's like everything's so slow. Like that's a thing. Like things weren't edited the same way back then. You yeah. know, like they weren't like they weren't trying to like make things move along. It was like they were doing the opposite or something. You know what we watched that I loved from like back then was um Now Voyager. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen that. It's Betty Davis, and so she gets, like, put in a mental institution. It's really, really good. Okay, I think that's what it's about. Oh, no, she's, like, um, it's, like, she's, like, the troubled daughter, and then she goes on a cruise and, like, meets a man. I don't know. It was fantastic. I loved it. It was almost campy, but, like, also really good. Now Voyager. Okay, I love it. Yeah, check that out. Uh, But it is funny, like, when Craig is gone, like, he doesn't, like, I have to prove to him that I still have good taste without him here. So the other day, I was like, I watched a Criterion movie the other day. He's like, you did? And I was like, yeah. And I did, actually. I watched, like, an Ingmar Bergman movie because I was like, I was feeling grossed out by my own housewives behavior. Which one did you see? The Seventh Seal. Okay, that's funny because this is actually a movie I was going to tell you about um, because when I first met Moshe... He brought that movie over. It's our it, it's our meet cute, our first date. <laughs> the seventh seal is about yeah. like plagues and death oh, wow. and like and, that's hilarious. Well, first of all, one of the well, for, there's two things about it. One is that's also Sunyi and Woody Allen's first date movie. Oh, <laughs> so that's so sweet. <laughs> but also, you know, that movie is all about like a plague and they have to travel yeah. away and they're in like a weird RV and it's like kind of become our life in a way. <laughs> it was really, <laughs> but I, you know, Moshe was kind of trying to impress me with the, Ber- yeah. with the film. And so then I started to realize like really slowly, well, actually then the second night he's like bringing over Rambo's first blood. And I was like, wait, are you really into like, Bergman or are you pretending and I think he was just kind of trying to like pretend that he liked those type of oh that's funny (laughs) a little bit of a bait and switch and now it's like Star Trek Voyager every night so Craig and I had that at the beginning of our relationship where he loves the Todd Haynes movie safe with Julianne Moore I've never seen that it's real. It's, I mean, it's like an art house classic it's like she thinks she's sick and it it was sort of like a metaphor for AIDS um but I, when I was in college or in grad school, like I watched a movie called Marat Saad, which was about like, have you seen it? You're nodding because you're a theater person. Yeah. Um, but it's about like the Marquis de Saad doing a play about the revolution, this, the French Revolution in like a madhouse. And I loved that movie because it was like a weird musical. And so I showed Marat Saad to Craig first and he's like, I didn't like that. He was like, that's not a movie. It wasn't cinematic. And I was so annoyed. And so when he showed me safe, I was like, that was boring. I was like, that really wasn't great. Try to like get back at them. Yeah. Well, anyway, Natasha, you've been so generous. I think what we're going to do now is we're going to take like a, like a four second pause. And then I'm going to ask you 10 food questions that will be part of my bonus episode. But let's say goodbye on this episode Um, to those who are listening. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. um, I have two, two jars of sun-dried tomatoes. So people should look at the recipe if they haven't. And And they should watch Rat in the Kitchen. Watch Rat in the Kitchen with Chef Luno and me. And when does it debut or premiere? It premieres March 31st on TBS. Great. Okay. I will watch it. All right. Thanks, Natasha.
Thank you for listening to the debut episode of the Amateur Gourmet Podcast. If you want to hear my 10 feisty food questions with Natasha Legero, you can become an official Amateur Gourmet subscriber at amateurgourmet.substack.com. You'll also get access to my bi-weekly newsletter plus threads where I ask questions like, what's the greatest cooking show of all time? I actually asked that this week and I offered up my own personal answer. Okay, it's Two Fat Ladies, which is actually the greatest cooking show of all time. So go to my Substack, join the conversation, listen to all the extra content, and we'll see you back here next week for another exciting episode of the Amateur Gourmet Podcast. Thanks.